This episode was for Men's Health Week. We're joined by tutor Aaron and we look at the role of the internet and how it assists but potentially damages the health of all of us. We recorded the session in front of a live Zoom audience and if you'd like to join a future one, you can register. We'll pop a link in our show notes. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the First Intuition Student Forum podcast. My name is Ben Bullman, and I'm joined this evening by my good friend and colleague, David Malthouse. Hello, Dave. Hi there, Ben. How are you this week? I'm really, really good. Thank you. I have been in sunny Norwich today teaching a class. I'm back here tomorrow. I've stayed after class, so I'm sitting in uh, an empty classroom but a, a nice space. I'm looking over at a whiteboard where I've scrawled up some corporate structures earlier today and was explaining what might happen between a, a subsidiary company and a parent company and how from a legal perspective, you might want to protect yourself by putting some of the assets in the parent company that people maybe can't then touch if they are bringing a legal claim against a subsidiary. I've been teaching corporate law today. How have you been getting on this week, Dave? Very hot, I think, as well as you, Ben. It's it's hot down here in Essex. Uh, I imagine your classroom has got lovely air conditioning, which is keeping you nice and cool at the moment before you get on that bus, not that bus, the train back to Cambridge, uh, where it's the air conditioning I don't think is quite as, imp- as effective as the air conditioning in our classrooms. I, I started today by saying we have got the luxury of air conditioning, but there is an element of it being a blessing and a curse, because in my experience in the classroom environment, you can never quite get the temperature right for everybody in the room. There are some people that are reaching for their ski jackets, even though we are experiencing a heat wave outside. There are other people that are still sweating, even when the air conditioning is on full blast. I think it just goes with the territory. And I'm sure other people will resonate with that if they've got air conditioning at work. Um, where do you stand on it, Dave? Do you have it on? Full whack or do you temper it down a bit? Full whack. I I like it to be cooler rather than rather than hotter. And in the summer, particularly when it's really, really hot outside, I, I like it to be nice and cool when I come inside. I do recall many years ago when I first started teaching, I was teaching a group of students that were with us over the summer for, I think, eight weeks in a row. So they, they came in, they were doing this Scottish Chartered Accountancy qualification and after about week two, they'd got used to what my classes were like and they would arrive mid-July. They'd walk through reception, shorts, T-shirts, looking like they were dressed for the beach half the time. They'd get into the classroom where they had a coat that they'd left there just for my classes and they'd put their coats on ready to start learning, then take them off to go outside to go and get their lunch. I, I think I realised maybe I had it on too cool a setting back then but I was always really nervous that well for me I get really really hot jumping around at the front of the classroom so I don't feel that cold but I always think it's better to be slightly too cold and slightly too hot in the classroom because when you start getting really hot you can get drowsy I always think your brain starts to get a little bit sluggish especially in the afternoon after a lunch um uh, so yeah for me it's cold all the way um for you Ben are you are you a cold or do you like to put the temperature up a bit I am. I'm I'm conscious that we teach from the front of the room and quite often the air conditioning ducts are in the middle. So sometimes the poor students that are sitting directly underneath it are in an Arctic blast, which we can't feel the full brunt of when we're stood at the front of the room. Um, The only other thing that jumps into my mind, we try as much as possible, don't we, to get students to replicate exam conditions, timing themselves, 
thinking about the materials they will and more importantly won't have access to encouraging to do questions on a computer if that's how they're going to be assessed I wonder how many of the exam rooms up and down the country have got the luxury of air conditioning and whether we're slightly doing our students a disservice by not <laughs> making them sweat it out like they will have to do for their one and a half, two hour, three hour real exam. In, in that case, we should give them the tiniest desks known to mankind with a computer from the 1950s piled on top of it just to recreate exactly the environment they're going into really small screen sizes, narrow that down and make it as uncomfortable as possible just to really give them the best possible training for the exam scenario. We're joined by a guest this evening. He's grinning along. He can resonate with all of that stuff, I am sure, from his experiences in the classroom. I'm going to say good evening to him. Hello, Aaron. How are you doing? Good evening. Yes, I'm good. I'm, I'm adjusting back to, to life in the office. I had a week off um in a two hour time difference which isn't isn't that bad so the there was two hours ahead which means getting up earlier is fine but i'm getting less sleep about two hours less sleep so i'm just adjusting to not getting about 10 hours sleep now which is a uh, sounds a bit luxury doesn't it um so yeah uh, i'm doing good i'm doing good regular listeners to the podcast i'm sure will have heard aaron many many times he's been one of our most popular guests Aaron Westgate is one of our fabulous tutor team. If you are studying with us in um, Norwich or Ipswich or Cambridge or Peterborough, he has probably at least taught you for one of your subjects. Um, if you are outside of that region and you've not met Aaron, I will um, make him blush and say he's a, a really top bloke as well as an excellent tutor. So it's lovely to have you on board this evening, Aaron. We have got a theme. We are recording it in the or on the week of the 14th of June. 2023 we've, we've talked about this a few times on the podcast Dave but I've got visions of someone listening to this 50 years into the future we are recording this in 2023 and this week it is men's health week this week is designated every week for particular awareness around men's health a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about though is not restricted just to men so hopefully it's an inclusive episode um, if you're a, a male listening to this great if you're not a lot of the stuff if not all of the stuff, is going to be equally relevant to you. Um, this week, the Men's Health Week theme is the role of the internet in men's health. Um, there's lots of great stuff on their website. We'll make sure a link is put into the show notes, talking particularly around the addition that the internet provides to people with addictive personalities and the way it can massively feed and escalate the addiction stereotypically addictions to gambling can be massively escalated by the ability to go onto online gambling sites and gamble 24 hours a day and run up lots of different accounts gambling addiction to pornography and sexual content online which again is massively open to the internet broadening people's ability to find stuff search for stuff be on there 24 7 we're not going to touch directly on those themes tonight. If you would like some help support with those, we will put a link in the show notes. You can go and look for that support. If you're an FI student, you can contact your designated safeguarding team within the centres, within the departments that you deal with. We're going to do our own take on the online world and how it potentially helps, but also prevents or presents some challenges for health amongst us. 
Dave, is there anything you would like to say at the outset of, of this evening's episode? I think you're right, Ben. Those issues around addiction are things that we have seen really impacting men around, as you said, pornography and around gambling. There are also other addictive elements to the internet, which I know we're going to touch on some of those. And there have been studies talking about addictions to the technology itself. So smartphone addiction is something that has been studied and kind of separation anxiety when you're not within an arm's width of your mobile phone is again something that's been looked at. So there are loads and loads of issues that arise when we start looking at the role of technology. But I know that something that that you're keen to talk about, and I know Aaron and I really excited about a conversation is looking at the benefits of that technology, as well as the things to be careful about and the, the things that we need to be careful of when we're dealing with kind of technology and using our smartphones and things like that. And it's something we do in a classroom environment, thinking about the benefits of the Internet, the connective world we live in, but also being aware of some of the additional risks and some of the downsides to it. And it's no different for our own personal lives, as we would explain in a classroom environment all of the potential benefits and drawbacks to a business. Um, I've picked out three individual areas that hopefully we can have a chat about. Aaron, really great to have you tonight. Really great to hear your thoughts, your personal experiences of this as much as mine and Dave's. First one I had picked is the role the internet might play with online medical advice. I think let's look at some of the benefits first. I know how challenging it is for the vast majority of people across the country to actually get an appointment to go and see their GP. As a designated safeguarding lead, it's a message I give out all of the time to people that get referred to me, to colleagues that are supporting learners, supporting students. If they're struggling, go and see your doctor. If you've got concerns about your well-being, concerns about your health, book an appointment with your GP. And then we hear the horror stories on the news that it is really hard to get GP appointments. There are waiting times and waiting lists. Have either of you two had experiences of using online doctor support? I I have been. I'll go through a bit of my medical history now, if you don't mind. I, I went through a phase where I would get an ear infection every six months it was almost like clockwork i would get an ear infection in the second week in june and then another ear infection in the second week of december and for about six years i i had that just happening time after time after time and one thing that made me realize this is actually i don't know if you did this over the covid period i downloaded the nhs app and i synced it with my gp's record and i could just see all these prescriptions for um antibiotics at exactly the same time of year, six months apart. One occasion where this was ha- where this was happening, and I got to know the the symptoms. I knew when I was going to get an ear infection. I started to get a little bit of discomfort. My ear started feeling a little bit hot. There felt like there was a little bit of pressure there, and I knew that I was going to get an ear infection. And in two or three days' time, I was going to be in an immense amount of pain. I would need to see a doctor. The doctor would need to give me antibiotics, and I knew that's what would happen. I started to get the symptoms about two or three days before I was going to Euro Disney. I was really looking forward to Euro Disney. So I was desperate to get my antibiotics so that I I wouldn't be as impacted by the ear infection. I tried to contact my GP and there were no there were no appointments available. 
So I ended up looking online at, can I see an online GP? I did have to pay for it. It cost me, I think, about 50 pounds. I paid 50 pounds and I got to see a GP within an hour. That GP listened to what I had to say. They understood what my symptoms were and they said, you're getting an ear infection or you have an ear infection. It's going to get worse. I'm going to prescribe you the antibiotics. I got the prescription emailed through to me. I printed that off, went to my chemist. I had the antibiotics again about an hour after that. So within two hours of me effectively making that booking, I had the antibiotics. I started taking them immediately. And I had that thing where for the first day, they didn't really have an impact. So it's the, the pain started to build up a little bit. But by the time I got to Euro Disney, the antibiotics were starting to do their job. And I was able to enjoy all of the rides of Euro Disney. I was able to enjoy breakfast with the princesses, with my daughter, all the things that I wanted to. The, the only thing I couldn't do is I couldn't drink alcohol because the antibiotics didn't allow me to drink alcohol, but that really wasn't an issue. I wasn't there to drink alcohol. I was there to do cool things in the land of Disney. Brilliant example there, Dave. The speed of it, the efficiency of it, actually something I'm sure the NHS would encourage people to do, because if that meant one person less was in a GP waiting room, taking up an appointment, it works on so many levels. Aaron, have you got any experiences of online tools for your own medical needs? Yeah, mine was um, mine was physio related. So my my frequent visits where I tell the physio, I, I really hope never see you again, but I and universally end up seeing them again. Um, so yeah, online physio was great. Uh, I've had that issues with my feet, so my feet have been like up against a screen on a webcam, just trying to show them where the pain was. Uh, that kind of stuff, you know, I I might spend six, eight, not ten weeks waiting potentially for NHS. So luckily, I do have health insurance, but. Um, it's one of those things where the online uh, webcam was really helpful just to get a physio to look at it because describing it on on a, a computer is, is somewhat describing it on a phone, but actually physically showing them something, even if it wasn't in person, was yeah really facilitated me being able to see someone next day, even near Christmas next day. So yeah, fantastic, brilliant. Even if it's booking slots, the fact we can use the Internet to book the slots, you can see availability, you can book. My mum got invited for her latest COVID spring booster and it was really easy to see where they were available, book her a slot, get her in for it. So I think there are clear benefits. In the spirit of balance, though, we need to be aware of some of the potential risks, some of the potential downsides of medical advice online. Um, Aaron, any perspective there on some of the things we need to just be mindful and careful of if we are using the Internet for medical advice? Yeah, I actually was talking to my students about technology in this today. Um, and one of the first things we came up with was basically videos and memes. You know, the first thing is you search your symptoms, you've got your temperature or a light cough. And, you know, the next thing that the web tells you is that tomorrow is your last day. Um, it can escalate so quickly when you start searching symptoms, particularly generic ones, because they can really range. You know, they could be very mild when you go and see a GP and that's fine. But actually the range of things that the web could tell you can be pretty anxiety provoking. I know I've had that before where I've read it and gone, actually, I thought it was only a cough. What if it is uh, cancer or something like that? So you can escalate very quickly in your anxiety towards something that you shouldn't have even been considered realistically. 
And it's natural, isn't it? Not just for medical staff in our lives now. If we've got a question, if we've got something we want an answer to, I would think the majority of us first thought is get my phone out. Let's Google it. Let's go and search it on YouTube and see if someone's done a video on it. And we are not in control of that content. We are shown stuff that links back to that. It might not be credible. It might actually not be relevant to us and we can read into it far, far too much. There is a big risk of self-diagnosis and actually building on the anxiety you mentioned there really can do damage to your mental well-being, your, your, your state of mind. David, any thoughts on that perspective fr from you? Very similar to Aaron. If you, if you Google any symptom you can imagine so as Aaron said it could be a sore throat could be a headache could be a sore finger could be an ache in your leg or your knee you'll go to a website and the website will say something like a sore finger could be symptoms of and they'll give you a list of 10 things and number one is going to be you may have broken your finger or you may have bruised the tendon and then you're going to go down and there will be something like you'll have some bizarre disease that you've never, ever heard of. But it could be that disease. It could be arthritis. Um, and then it will come down to something like it could be some form of cancer. Now, what they don't put there is they don't put down the number of people that have gone to the doctors presenting those diseases and the percentage of them that have each of those different illnesses or different uh, different things causing the symptom. Because the reality is that if you've got a sore finger, the chances are you've broken a bone or you've, pulled, you've bruised it in some way. And that's probably what doctors see 99% of the time. But that kind of cancer that you've got somewhere down the list, doctors maybe see it one in a thousand times. But when you look at it on a list of 10 items, it's a one in 10 chance based on what you're seeing. So you don't get to see what the chances or the likelihood of different things are. Your doctor, a medical professional, is the person that's best placed to say, I've examined you and I'm pretty sure this is what's happened to you. I'm pretty sure this is the issue. Whereas you, you don't have that knowledge and nowhere's going to publish that knowledge. Nowhere's going to say, oh, these are the 10 things it could be. And this is the probability of each of them impacting you. So medical professionals are far, far better are being able to give you an actual diagnosis than Dr. Internet. Dr. Internet will just throw loads of random stuff at you and one of them's going to be true, but we don't know which one it is. I was just going to add on top of that. I wonder how technology will change that because with things like AI and they talk about machine learning and artificial intelligence, the web gives you an option. AI might give you an answer. It might say this is as you say, the percentage, this is 50% likelihood, it's this. And it's where that information comes from. And I think that could actually fuel it even more. That That is interesting. One of the things that, that AI is threatening to disrupt probably more than any other industry is, is looking at healthcare and being able to make those kind of diagnoses. It's something that I know has been worked on for years and years. It's one of the first things that people have actually put AI to use at. And it is pretty good at being able to give diagnoses. Uh, I think it will be the, the point at which you need to not have a human that's medically qualified and the technology takes over. That's going to be the difficult step. It's a little bit like things like driverless cars, I think. We all know the technology is there for driverless cars to drive. 
I think most of us recognise that driverless cars will be safer than human-driven cars if they were unleashed right now, but we don't want to make that step away from having a human behind the wheel. And I think that point when they, the human's removed from our medical diagnosis, that's going to be the, the breaking point where, where things will massively change. I think li linking it back to something I encourage all of my students to be professionally is, is sceptical of the motives of the, the site, the people that are putting it up there. Look at the, the credibility of the source. I am reassured if it is a genuine NHS website in the UK that it has been vetted. It has come with, we would hope, the best intention. Unfortunately, the Internet is very, very easy for people with more sinister motives to set up a website, to portray themselves as something else. I think one, we've got to be very, very mindful there of the advice it's given. And two, be mindful of the data that we are sharing. I could envisage people that would love nothing more than you sharing lots of personal data in your moment of potential crisis because you're suffering, you're fearful of your symptoms and you start. God forbid, sharing images of yourself with people that are done in the best intentions from you, but you've lost control of those. You start giving out personal data. I'm also really, really concerned of the ability, the ability to buy prescription drugs online. That could be incredibly dangerous for people. It would be illegal for one point because you need a formal prescription to get them. I'm thinking of the ability to maybe buy steroids online, any other drugs. And you've got to be so, so mindful of that. You need to be doing stuff through the official channels. It's fine to get a prescription from an online doctor, but you then need to go to a pharmacy to actually get that made up and not buy stuff online that could be very rogue and very, very damaging to your health. Guys, thank you. That was my first area. So we move on to my second one, something I know you two are incredibly experienced and passionate about, the role that the internet has in promoting fitness online. You are both regular users, as I'm maybe not quite as regular user, but I have got an account on the app Strava. We kind of say that like we presume everybody listening to this podcast will know what Strava is. Aaron, maybe you could just give us a quick overview of what Strava is. And my presumption is other similar apps are available. Yeah, it's a bit of an insular world for generally fitness people. So it's like the social media of fitness. Um, not so many posts, but more it's linked to, uh, let's say, your watch. So whenever you go and exercise, you can use Strava or you can use a watch and it'll link up and it'll uh, put your activity online. So it could be a run or a cycle or a swim or whatever else. Um, but then you can put stuff around it so you can put messages and pictures or videos and that kind of stuff. And again, see what other people are doing, whether that's a, a friend or maybe an athlete like me, if you if you like following athletes. And the world of tech really has taken personal fitness to a, another level, hasn't it? Whether you've got one yourself, I'm sure you all know somebody that's got one of those really trendy smartwatch trackers, counting their steps, counting the miles they're doing, counting the potential calories they're burning today, monitoring their heart rate, monitoring their sleep. Let's talk about the positives first. Aaron, over to you. What are some of the clear benefits of that kind of technology and the, the use of the Internet within it? Yeah, I think there's two. Uh, I think there's about a thousand things. Um, I think one, it helps me just keep up with people who I might not be able to keep up with otherwise. You know, I've got oh, ex-colleagues who I just message every so often on their 
you know, if they do uh, go do a race or something, I just drop a message and it, it kind of makes me feel a bit connected because maybe otherwise I don't um, chat to them as much. Um, I think there's an element of, for me, particularly inspiration. Um, I, I get a lot of inspiration, not necessarily like if I look at an elite athlete, it feels a bit, you know, there's a bit of a stretch there, a lot of a stretch, should I say. Um, but when I see like a friend or someone I know who runs and does a pretty long run. So I, I mean, long, long run. So for me, I've been looking at doing a 50 mile race and uh, which is very long. Uh, but the fact that someone else has done a 50 mile race who I know and I can run with, uh, it kind of gives me a bit of inspiration. I think actually maybe I could do that. Um, maybe not, but maybe I could. So it kind of keeps me going to see other people running, to see what they do and therefore, allows me to kind of get little bits of inspiration. Um, there is a negative side to that, which I think maybe we'll talk about later, but particularly keeping up with people and just getting a little bit of inspiration every day, um, either on my own or as a team. Dave, what are some of the benefits you've personally seen or seen within other people of the internet and its role in fitness? There's one which is around, as Aaron talks about, community and not just things like Strava, but there are many, many apps that allow you to connect with other people. And I think we saw through the pandemic people using Peloton to be able to connect with other people. Um, I know there are other indoor biking apps out there, but that allowed people to compete against each other or to ride with each other or do things in a group format. There, there are lots and lots of apps that you can download, which will track your fitness, which not just how far have I run, but what other types of exercise, what calories have I burned and, and things that enable you to monitor your fitness journey. So if you're trying to get stronger, you can measure, are you getting stronger? If your aim is weight loss, you can measure, am I losing weight over time? You mentioned kind of connected devices. I've got one of them. I'm wearing my smartwatch at the moment. It does monitor my sleep. It does monitor when I go running. It does monitor my steps. It gives me an overall picture of how active I am. I also have got a smart set of scales upstairs, which when I weigh myself, it will update online how heavy I am but it will also say what my BMI is what my water percentage is my body fat percentage my bone percentage it gives me all these statistics about me which enables me to then monitor kind of what I'm doing where I am in terms of you know whatever my fitness goals are so there's so many cool things out there to enable you to one just do it for yourself to give for me it's about accountability and giving myself accountability so that I can look at, am I achieving the things that I want to achieve? Um, but it does allow you to share those things with other people. So if you do like competition, you could do that. Or if you do just want other people to be able to hold you accountable, you can then have kind of support networks and groups around all of that data and the activities that you're carrying out. I think it's made things way more accessible for the vast, vast majority of us, isn't it? The fact that we maybe don't need to travel to a gym, we can do stuff but still feel connected from home or doing our own thing. Um, the Park Run initiative, I am a, a big advocate of the Park Run. As much as I can on a Saturday morning, I go and do our, our local Park Run. Members of the FI team volunteer at the Park Runs. Um, one of the things I love about it, and it's almost like a, a case study scenario in class, it's a bit of 
customer relationship management, although Parkrun's a free initiative, which I think is brilliant. They've got my personal data. I get an email reminding me of the Parkrun. When I've done it, I get an email me telling me my time, giving me a link to the table. I can see my personal best. It's very motivated. It's very personalized. It's very connected. I'm sure we've all got friends and family, if we didn't do it ourselves, that were addicted to Joe Wick's videos over lockdown and going on YouTube. But there's lots of fitness content on YouTube, everything from fitness classes. Um, Dave, me and you were old enough to remember the days where you would have to get a VHS of some celebrity doing a fitness workout and put it on in your video player at home. Now there is loads of online content you can access with online virtual fitness classes and exercise videos and debriefs. Um, I've been playing cricket recently and there is so many YouTube videos that I have watched to improve technique on batting, fitness with fielding, technical stuff that is all getting me built up into motivating me to go and actually do something. But clearly, for all of the positives, there are some downsides. I think from the first port, one of the, the benefits is all of that data can be used beneficially to give you cheaper premiums for health insurance, life insurance. But that acknowledges all of that data is being shared with other people. We, we are not there yet, but do we envisage a time when the National Health Service will potentially penalise people if they're not wearing a fitness app tracker saying, we need to know that you are looking after your fitness. There's lots of ethical concerns around the use of that and the way we are being tracked. Aaron, what kind of issues do you potentially see on a negative side of tracking your progress with running and with the, the, the exercise that you are publishing online? Yeah, I think you have to be very careful. You need, I mean, there's lots of things that are generic, but you, you need to protect what you need on balance. So there's things that I do that I think um, we were talking about, maybe more conscientious of other people, which again is a burden on me, but um, I'm conscientious of what I post, but also I'm conscientious of maybe who I follow. So there are negative sides that if I follow someone who runs, um, you know, maybe I go for an hour run, someone does an hour and a half. I'm like, oh, well, I only did an hour. So there's kind of that, well, I'm never good enough, that, that kind of approach of, well, I, I thought I did quite a lot, but actually someone's always done more. So if you're always comparing to someone who's going to do more, actually the on balance, I might unfollow that person because I can't, I can't mentally deal with the fact that someone's always going to be doing more than me. And I actually on balance don't, I don't get a positive impact. The, the positive impact that I should have got from my, my physical health is good, but mentally I look at someone who's doing more and actually feel a bit worse. I think on the other side, it can also reinforce some things that people don't really like. So when um, uh, Dave, you mentioned calories and weight, and when people start mentioning those words, they can be quite, quite triggering for some people. So if people say, oh, I burnt a thousand calories doing this run, someone else might really not like that so like I don't I don't weigh myself because I don't like to to do that but just because it doesn't I've never I've never got any positive reinforcement from going on a set of scales so again that's that's me protecting myself um but also I think I mentioned the conscientious bit I I do I'm conscious in my wording so I mentioned Ben the day about I will never I will almost never if I can use the word easy or very easy or anything of that sort because I know my easy pace 
might not be someone else's easy pace. That might be someone else's hard, hard running pace. But equally, the only reason I noticed that is because when I ran and I ran a pace that someone else did, they put it as easy and I actually felt quite bad about my own pace. So all it did was reinforce the fact that either I wasn't fast enough or that I need to run more and I need to run faster, which none of which was good in my kind of training plan or in my own health. So I think those kind of things for me personally, I've kind of felt and tried to adapt myself to, but it's kind of about realizing what personally you feel is uh, overall is on balance, actually a negative impact on yourself. Dave, what, what sort of awareness have you got of some of the potential downsides or some of the things you're mindful of not potentially getting drawn into in online? I think what, one of the things that Aaron mentioned there, I think that there's a lot of those issues that, that are around mindset. And uh, I think a lot of the issues around the way we process other people's achievements, because when other people achieve things, there's really two ways to react to that. One way to react to it is that is brilliant. They are, they should be really proud of what they have achieved. They've run really, really fast. That's really great for them. You know, I'm proud to know that person and I need to congratulate them. But the other way to look at it is I can't compete with that or I'm not good enough or I need to work harder if I, if I want to get there. And sometimes it's the case, you know, I, I've grown to accept that the majority of people that I know that are runners are quicker than me. And I'm never going to be quicker than them. And what's good for them is, you know, is amazing and untouchable. What's really, really good for me is them probably running on a broken leg. But I'm comfortable enough with that. And I'm only really looking at, am I better than I was when I started this particular block of training or this particular thing? And I think shifting a mindset and just being willing to say, that is brilliant, really well done to those people that are quick. Or, you know, if that is a bad run for them, then they're going to get better. And maybe they do need a bit of reassurance, despite the fact that they're an elite athlete and they're recovering from injury. I think the the, the big thing there is that, it, and it's the, the problem that, that we see with all kinds of, of internet usage, is that comparison between what you're doing and what someone else is doing. The only person you're really competing against is yourself. It's the only person you really should be trying to get better than. And for people of my age, Ben, um, you know, sometimes it's not even that. So I, I'm I'm not going to be as fast as running as I was 15 years ago. That that 15 year old me is a lot faster and will outrun me and outcompete me any time of the week. I'm not going to be better than that. But can I be better than I was last week? I reckon I probably can. You know, can I be a, as quick as I was a year ago? Maybe I could be that quick if I put the training in. So it's, it's basically just monitoring what we're measuring against and, and don't measure against people that are professional athletes. They've done it a very, very long time. Many of them are genetically blessed and you know, have got a starting point that we can't even imagine getting to. And they're being professionally trained. You know, they do it for a living and they've got a team behind them. And us going out for a run after we've finished revision on a Thursday evening, we're probably not going to get up to that pace at all. I think it comes back to balance, doesn't it? And, and lots of the things there are motivating factors. I think the term is gamification, isn't it? Where things are done to make it more motivating, to link to rewards and medals. And Strava, for example, has got gold medals when you've beaten your personal best and silvers and bronzes. And that stuff can be really, really great as a motivating factor. It's quite novel and it gets you into stuff. I also do fair with the, the access to it, with the visibility of it. 
it can be very addictive. We talked about addiction at the start and you can get addicted to working out. You can get addicted to activity and to physical stuff. And there becomes a point where your body can't cope with that. Exercise is, is good in general. Aaron, you've got experiences of being injured, haven't you? Where sadly, I presume when you're injured, you, you can't run, you can't go out. And actually, if you were, you'd be doing yourself more damage. What sort of role does the internet play there in potentially maybe drawing you back in sooner than you should go back? Well, funnily enough, I'm in that this week. I, I have an injury that I had back in January that's just kicked off again. Um, don't really know why. Don't Can't pinpoint a reason. But the worst thing I could do right now is keep looking at Strava because I know all I'm going to see is people running and I'm going to want to run. And I know if I do that, I've got a race tomorrow night. I've got um, a long weekend in the Peak District next weekend. And I know that if I if I keep thinking about that and I keep looking at Strava, I'm going to go out for a run and probably get worse than I was before. So it's really hard, even when I'm not injured, if I'm on a day off where I'm resting, if I look at Strava, I'm going to want to go out for a run when I know that's going to actually have an overall negative impact. So, yeah, I'm feeling it right now. Um, I'm trying to be, again, mindful of um, the fact of not looking at Strava, which is quite hard when I look at it every day, at least once, um, because I have a lot of people that I really like and follow on Strava. But it's just kind of knowing that if I look at it, I'm probably going to want to try and get out of the door. So this podcast actually helps really nicely because I don't have time to get out of the door now. Um, so thank you. <laughs> I also think something, although the Internet allows connectivity with our exercise, fundamentally we're still doing it physically on our own and we just need to be aware of the potential dangers there going out for a run on your own in the old day you might have been member of a running club and you were running in a group which had other people around you for support if you got injured if you fell over doing a, a youtube exercise class when you are locked away yourself only person in the building can actually be very very dangerous if you were doing it in a gym, there would be trained professionals there. They would be observing. They could give you help support on your technique. Were you lifting the weights correctly? Was your posture correct? I fear that actually some of this stuff, although it feels connected, can be quite isolated if you have got an injury or some kind of personal danger. So I think there is an element of being mindful there. But I'm conscious to progress the discussion and my last area of conversation, and it kind of fits in a bit with what we've just talked about there, is the role that social media has on our, our health in general. And I think there are lots of positive stories around social media on people posting awareness of campaigns. Things like this week has got lots of traction by people sharing it, people talking about it on social media, people opening up and giving examples and their own stories that they've shared on their own timelines, on their own social media channels, lots of promotion on getting outside, what are your experiences of social media having positive portrayal of health and, and people and well-being? Oh, you may go, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, again, I think one part of it is, again, following other people, friends, distant people that you can keep in touch with in that way and in little bite-sized bits that feel manageable. I think seeing stuff that helps other people, I think hearing other people's stories, um, you, I think a lot, of, a lot of the time I, you know, I might think something and feel something and not, you know, feel like I'm alone in that thought. And then someone posts something online. I think, actually, I'm really glad you said that 
Um, and a lot of the time, if I post someone on LinkedIn, I get quite a few messages that say, thanks for posting that. I feel like that too, or they get, get comments around it. And it's really surprising when you open up again on social media, which, you know, there are uh, negatives to that, but opening up on social media about stuff, people then open up back and it can have a really nice reinforcement of you aren't alone. Or if you're the person reading it, not feeling alone for that reason. Um, so that I think that's a really a nice thing to see. Dave, any thoughts from, from you on this perspective? Well, as, as you know, Ben, I, I stepped away from all forms of social media a couple of years ago, other than LinkedIn, which I, I use for professional purposes rather than anything else. So I, I guess I, I did take that step away for kind of health and well-being reasons. Um, so I, I'm probably best not to, to, to talk too much about what, what the benefits are on the basis that, you know, I, I, I think I'd be a little bit hypocritical to to wax lyrical on the, the health and well-being benefits of social media. I know there are some, but for me, I, I felt it was more destructive rather than productive for me to be on social media. And we've, we've covered this in previous episodes, haven't we, on some of the, the traps, the pitfalls, the time it takes, the, the fact that it can be quite isolating, even though you feel connected. It can be addictive, going back to the addictive personality traits, um, particularly around the health agenda. A couple of things I wanted to touch on this evening. One is imaging. Um, Dave, I'm sure you will remember back in the day, we would go into a news agent and there would be a copy of Men's Health magazine with someone looking particularly ripped on the front cover. And I, I have to confess, I bought the odd copy and thought I'll have a read through and are oh, there five top tips for getting abs like the, the bloke on the cover. Um, I, I, I've got abs. They're tucked away somewhere. They, they have never been as, as visible as the, the cover of Men's Health magazine. These days, those images are everywhere online, aren't they? It's not as conscious as walking into a news agent, getting the magazine and, and picking it up. That was bad enough. These days, those images are all over social media. There is the, the element of body image and being body conscious. Um, I don't know if, if Aaron, maybe you've got any reflections on that? Yeah, I think... I think image as a whole, I think body image is definitely one of those ones where it reinforced it. I used to follow a lot of food food Instagram pages and I actually stopped following because all it made me think about was food. So, which is not great if you're, you don't want to be hungry all the time. But on the, I, all I had on my page was, um, was friends, but it was food and it was fitness stuff. And those two together can be actually pretty well, contradictory in some ways. But um, image itself, I've, I've had to unfollow those people, which follow unfollowing friends that I actually really like but I've had to and some of them actually don't like but um not so much friends anymore but people from school for example you know I unfollowed them because I don't like seeing what they post both from the perspective of I I don't um I don't agree with some of it but actually it's a they say it's for the gram that's the the kind of term was for the gram it means effectively you post this because it's a highlight reel so you post all the good stuff in your life that happens and never any of the bad stuff but there is a, i mean there is a bit of a turn of that i think there's also an element of i think personally there's an element of people posting negative stuff for instagram right effectively or any other social media they're posting it because it will get likes uh, and that's a really harsh reality on the other side right i, I really like and so I, re, I i like social media don't really like facebook because of um i think what it's become but instagram 
and stuff like that can can be really detrimental when you've got reels of people they say reels of people that basically should be on men's health reels of fitness stuff and even people that you would like to follow but the things they post just actually make you feel worse because their life looks really amazing whereas if you posted all the really good things about your life it would look also really amazing um, but it doesn't again show that balance which i think feels like the the theme of the evening really you only see what they put out there and there's this concept of fomo isn't there the fear of missing out the fact that you all see the positive stuff and everything looks better than your life everybody is having a better time than you everybody's got more friends than you and you only see that side you only see what what people want you to see Dave I'm conscious of time and we've got a final thing we're going to cover this evening but is there anything else from that perspective you would like to raise as as a father of three children the that whole thing around body image really scares me with with kids growing up today with I think unrealistic expectations of what you should look like um as you say it, it used to be the case that that kind of that perfectly sculpted body was very much the domain of the fitness magazine. Whereas nowadays it seems to be absolutely everywhere. And that seems to be the image, particularly, you know, we'll talk on men's health um, week, that particularly something that boys and men should aspire to. Now, when I went to school, I don't know about you, Ben, but, you know, I, I don't know any of my friends that would have paraded around with a six pack. You know, I certainly didn't have a six pack when I was at school, but nowadays it seems that if you're 16, 17, 18 and you're not spending half your time in the gym working out to try and get that kind of body, you're somehow not meeting those expectations that it seems to be that everyone has to look that way. And my worry is that when my children get older, they're going to be, they're going to feel that that's what they need to achieve and that's what they need to, to look like. And as Aaron said, you don't see, you know, behind the curtain that particularly for people that are kind of in the in the fitness industry and their job is to look that good they will go into a photo shoot and they'll be prepping for that photo shoot for three days they'll be deliberately dehydrating themselves they'll be deliberately making sure that they're working out in such a way that their muscles are more pronounced just ready for that photo shoot and then afterwards they'll be taking on loads of water they'll be eating and a day later they won't look like that anymore but for the young people looking at it, that's what they need to aspire to look like. And it's quite a scary world when it's just that single image that's captured on Instagram. And those people are going to post photos from that day for the next week and a half. So it looks like they look like that all the time. And it's quite scary, as I say, that you've got young people that my, my children still very impressionable. They're led by what the things that they see online and those unrealistic body expectations are, are something I think are going to cause massive problems with our young people looking at them. And I think I think the technology used to be that there was an expert that was in a room that photoshopped those images as well. And now a phone, you can do so many filters on a phone. That means everyone in their palm of their hands has a different look of themselves that they can create. And again, it's not reality of how you might look. Guys, thank you. That's been a really good chat through those three areas. There was something to finish up that, that Dave linked across to me. We'll put the link to this one in the show notes as well. So if you're, you're listening to the podcast, go and click on the links in the show notes. But there is a, a campaign that's running this week for Men's Health Awareness Week where they are encouraging a can-do challenge. Dave, I don't know if you want to talk us through the five stages of their can-do challenge, because I think this is a positive takeaway that people can, listening to this, think 
not just in men's health week, but at any point in any week of any year, and not just for the male listeners, you could get some positive takeaways. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, the can do, as you know, spelled C-A-N-D-O, is a lovely acronym. And as accountants, we love acronyms. So five things that we can do to improve our well-being, to help us to feel better. And if I go through each of them one by one, what I'd like, Ben, is if you and Aaron could just come up with what you're going to do over the next week to meet the can do challenge. So first of all, connect. C for connect to connect with other people. That could be talking to someone you haven't talked to for a while, meeting up with a family member, having a coffee with a colleague, anything like that. How are you going to connect with someone over the next seven days? Ben first. I get to go first. That's the pressure on Aaron then, isn't it? Well, do you know what, Dave? And I would imagine a lot of people in this position. I have got a really good mate. He went to school with me, actually joined the same firm of accountants as me, trained with me, um, was an usher at my wedding, moved away and we've kept in touch. But I haven't actually called him now. We haven't met up since before COVID and I haven't even called him in the last year. And the longer it goes, actually, the harder it is. I know as soon as I send him a message or I call him, we'll be back to where we were. But the longer you leave it, the harder it becomes. So in the spirit of connection, I am going to, on the train tonight, WhatsApp that friend and say, how you doing, mate? What are you up to? When can we catch up? Awesome. I'm looking forward to finding out all about that next week, Ben. Probably in the pre-show meeting that we have. And Aaron? Oh, the pressure's on, isn't it? Um, live. Uh, yeah, I think for me, one of the things I get quite a lot out of, and I think the first thing that came up is... Um, I think if I FaceTime someone that I haven't spoken in a while, uh, I don't want to to freak them out by FaceTiming them out of the blue, but just kind of, as as you say, connect with someone. And particularly, I think for me, that's just sometimes I FaceTime my nan and granddad. Um, They can use FaceTime, which is amazing. And every time I chat, I get quite a lot out of that. And my my wife's very heavy on just give them a call. I'm like, oh, so I'll give them a call at the weekend. I always forget. So I plan to give them a little FaceTime. Excellent. Now we've got to be quick because time's against us. The next one is active. So we need to be active in some way. Now I know Aaron, you're injured, so you need to be careful with your active. But um, um, is there any way over the next seven days that you feel you could be active, whether it's running, walking, swimming, going for a dance, playing badminton, whatever it is? Uh, definitely not the dance, uh, but I'm going to do some yoga. I think for me, I, I always put it off, but something like yoga is actually I find quite nice. Just start in the morning, get some yoga done, even if it's 15 minutes. Ben. Easy one for me, Dave. This morning, I had the best intentions, but I backtracked and took the lazy option and jumped in the car and drove to the train station to get on the train. And I promised myself I was going to cycle. I always used to cycle. I'm going to cycle tomorrow because I'm back in Norwich tomorrow. So I'm going to bike to the train station tomorrow. Excellent. Number three is notice. So notice is take notice of the environment that you're that you're in. So the idea would be to turn off your electronic devices, take your headphones out, put your phone away and just be present in the environment that you're in. So can I get a commitment, Ben? You you can, Dave, you can. This is something I think we've probably mentioned it on a previous episode. I do 
quite often go for a dog walk with my headphones in. And as much as I enjoy that, and there are clear benefits, and if you want to listen to the FI podcast while you're taking your dog for a walk, myself and Dave wouldn't discourage that. But you do lose a sense of connection. I am not connected with the environment. There are potential risks of that. But also, I don't hear the the birds singing in the mornings when I've got my headphones in. So I'm going to take the dog for a walk, but not with my headphones on. And Aaron, are you going to be able to find kind of an hour to disconnect and be present in the environment that you're in? Yeah, I think for me, it's end of the night. I've, I'm talking about social media. I'm on I'm on the gram. I'm reeling for about 15 minutes, just flicking up and down. So for me, I'm that's I'm not doing that for the next week, at least, at least the next week. I'm not going to touch Instagram wow. just before I go to bed. I know the commitment. I've that's just massive. Hey, so we've got two left, the D and the O for the do. So we've had the can. Now we're on the do. So the D for do is discover. So discover something new, learn something new. So that could be actually learning a new skill. It could be learning something technical. It could just be reading a book and discovering uh, a world that you weren't aware of before. Let's go to you, Ben. Um, I've got two, but I'm going to I'm going to pick one. I am a terrible. But positive guitar player and I'm not very good at all I really am not and my guitar was packed off into the loft because from time to time Ellie has a bit of a grumble and says Ben is sitting there is picking up dust but when it used to be downstairs occasionally I would just pick it up and these days it's quite easy to go online and see the chords for a song and I would just try and learn a song but like everything in life the more you do the better you get and if it is a bit sporadic you don't get very good so I'm going to discover a new song. I'm going to learn the chords to a new song on my guitar. Um, be wary, anybody that listens to me, because I'll probably have to go out on the patio to play it. So if, if you live in my neck of the woods, you might you might hear the, the rather strangled sounds of Ben getting to grips with some chord sequences on his acoustic guitar. That's awesome, Ben. I, too, have a guitar that is tucked away. It's it's in another room downstairs. It's sealed up in its case. I don't think it's been opened for at least a year, maybe longer. So I may actually join you in that. Have you got any ideas of, of songs that you might be be looking to learn? Or is that um, just going to be something that you'll decide later? Let, let's pick one. Look, with the spirit of looking back to last year, still one of the highlights was me and you going to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers at the London Stadium. So why, why don't we pick a Red Hot Chili Peppers and see if we can learn the guitar chords and a bit of a, a riff to go along with it? That's not a bad plan. I would need to think of a Red Hot Chili Peppers song that's going to sound OK on an acoustic guitar. The only one I can think of is Under the Bridge. I've got a feeling that's quite difficult to play and maybe a little bit beyond my capabilities. But Aaron, we we have to be swift. What are you going to yeah. discover? What new things are you going to be doing over the next week? Uh, for me, um, I did start to discover, so I'm going to cheat a little bit. I did um, get partway through a BSL, which is of course. So I am going to commit to finish that. So my, my discovery is the fact that can I actually pass the exam at the end of the, the BSL course and also finish the whole set of content. So I've got a busy week that is a busy week and that that's such a i think such a worthwhile thing to do because there it's one of those things that there are lots and lots of people that that need to communicate via sign language and it's something we're not taught at schools that that most people aren't aware of and it's something that we can quite easily do that's one a benefit for us to communicate but it's a huge gift to give other people that that can now communicate with you and understand what you're saying 
So finally, the final one is O for offer. So offer to do something for someone else. So offer to volunteer or to help someone without any kind of expectation of getting something in return. So Ben, I know you already do a lot for other people, but is there anything that you think that you could offer over the next week? There is something actually coming up on Saturday morning that I have already offered to do. So my, my local parish church every year have a bacon party festival where in the churchyard they set up a few barbecues and they sell bacon parties. All of the proceeds go into church funds and charity. And so I, I've kind of ducked out a little bit and I am going to text the chap that does it and offer my services on Saturday morning. So if you were in the great Fenland town of March this Saturday, Come and check me out. I will be there in my best Bermuda shorts with an apron on, cooking up some bacon butties. Excellent stuff, Ben. And Aaron, finally, anything that uh, you think you can do in the next week? Yeah, well, mine's inspired by someone else. I went to buy someone off Facebook Marketplace, um, a non-interesting buy. Um, I won't mention it, but and they gave it to me for free. So I'm going to pass that on. Not the items I need it, but. Um, I'm going to I'm selling a few things on Marketplace, so I'm going to give one of them for free instead. Even if someone offers to pay for it, I will then give it to them for free. Awesome. That is lovely, Aaron. So that is our can do challenge. So I, I would challenge any listeners to be looking at that can do challenge. I know we will put details of this on the show notes. So look in the show notes and you can find out more details um, on the website. It does go through each of those elements of can do in more detail. And it does give reasons why they're going, that they're proven to help with your overall feeling of well-being. Um, we are quite a long way beyond time today. So I, I want to thank our guest, Aaron. Thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully you'll be back to join us again at some point in the future. Always happy to be on here. Excellent. And thanks to Ben for being an amazing co-host as ever. Thanks to you, the audience that are here live. Um, it, it's been a, a really nice discussion. Uh, I've, I've certainly got a lot out of it. Thanks to all of the listeners at home. As Ben said, if they're running, walking with their dog, listening in the bath, we really do appreciate you listening. And um, if you do have time, if you could pass details of the podcast on to any friends or family you think might be interested. And if you can leave a message on whatever your podcast provider is, even if it's just to leave a star review, or if you could leave a few comments, it would be much appreciated. But until next week, happy studying, everyone. And we'll see you for the First Intuition Student Podcast. Bye.